This is Cedar Cathedral, a podcast about artistry, craftsmanship, and the creative life in the Great Lakes. I'm Steve Hendershot, along with Claire Hendershot, from The Diving Bell, our band in Chicago. The directorial style of indie filmmaker Brandon Colvin is deliberate in both senses of the word. Extremely intentional and also extremely measured, carefully stripped of all energy. His characters are chronically weighed down by frustration, angst, and disconnection. And one way Brandon conveys that is with stifling silence and dialogue that is delivered with all the zeal of a teenager answering questions at the dining room table. How's Vera? That is her name, isn't it? She's fine. One problem with that approach is that Brandon himself doesn't always feel that way. For example, there's the morning before the first day of shooting on his second film, Sabbatical. It was his first time working with experienced, professional actors, people whose work he knew and admired. They had come to Madison, Wisconsin, ready to receive his directorial wisdom. He was pretty geeked, blasting euphoric electronica and bouncing around his house like the amped-up frat boy that he generally is not. Then he got to the set and remembered he was making a Brandon Colvin film. I would psych myself up to go into the set and tell the actors to like go way slower and talk way quieter to just drain the energy out. That sort of is like calibrating the emotion to me because like the rate and volume at which people speak has emotional connotations. And if you can get the right levels dialed in on all of those things, then I think the emotion is just there in the physicality, in the comportment, in um, how mumbly or clear someone's voice is. Who are you? I'm John, who are you? Ben Harden, is Sarah here? She is, do you want me to go get her? No, no, sorry to bother you, I can go get her. No. Nice to meet you. The biggest surprise, uh, like the most pleasant surprise, was that when you ask professional actors to do something, they can do it. Their mastery of their bodies was astonishing to me. And they were able to get things so much more quickly than I even thought they might. It's like the less energy they put into it, the more they have to trust that the filmmaking is going to make it work. And it did work. Every frame of sabbatical exudes the languid, oppressive mood Brandon was trying to capture. The silences and mumbles are arresting, and the most powerful line in the film is the one at the end that isn't spoken. Sabbatical ranked fourth on Film Pulse's Best of 2015 list, and it was singled out in a review of the New Orleans Film Festival for RogerEbert.com. On this episode of Cedar Cathedral, find out how Brandon Colvin grew into his distinctive approach to filmmaking and about his next movie. First, a moment to thank you for listening to and supporting Cedar Cathedral. It was really cool as we played diving bell shows in Michigan and in Chicago over the last couple of weeks to meet people who are listening, and it was great hosting our first meetup at Long Road Distillers in Grand Rapids, where we talked about the West Michigan food scene. We're still new and could use your help spreading the word about our show about Great Lakes creators. If you've got friends who you think might like what we're doing, please let them know about us. It would mean a lot. Same with iTunes reviews. We've got a tutorial on the website to show how to do that, and the whole thing only takes a few seconds. And if you're looking for the full Cedar Cathedral experience, please follow us on Instagram and visit cedarcathedral.com, 
where we've got photos and often videos to accompany each episode. This week, for example, we've got both of Brandon's films embedded in the episode transcript. Speaking of Brandon, let's get back to his story. Brandon lives in Madison, Wisconsin, where he is pursuing a PhD in film studies alongside his career as a writer and director. But let's travel for a moment to rural eastern Kentucky, the place where he grew up and where he fell in love with movies. He was that kid, living on the edge of a national forest, but less interested in Daniel Boone than Robert Bresson. He played drums in post-rock instrumental bands, obsessed over David Lynch and Fellini, wrote edgy screenplays, and generally was as indie as he could figure out how to be based on the influences available to him in Greater Moorhead. And it was music that most influenced his style as a filmmaker. There was a moment when I started getting into music when I realized that I didn't really care about lyrics and I didn't really care about um, like the overt narrative that songs were trying to communicate or like the characters they were trying to portray. But what I cared about was the emotional arc that was contained in the music and that was not reducible to um, like a verbal description. And so that is sort of a way to start to value abstraction art that is more, uh, that seems to like flow from an emotional place rather than from a logical place. Still, when Brandon left for college, he did so as an aspiring film scholar, not a director. Somewhere along the way, I lost confidence in the fact that I could be a filmmaker. Like it seemed very difficult and very, um, like something that I couldn't actually touch. There were many things about the industry that seemed very unappetizing to me and uninteresting to me, like all of the compromise, having to like work your way up through the system when I felt like I was ready to make a film now, like I needed to make it now. I just had no interest in doing anything else on a film set other than being the director. So Brandon put it all to the side, didn't even think about making movies, until he had to write a screenplay for a school project right before graduating from Western Kentucky University in 2010. That first script wasn't magic, but it did something magical to Brandon. I was sort of confronted with this urge that I guess I had like repressed for a few years to make something. It was the first time that I had really completed something of that scale, and it felt really good. And then I immediately wrote another one. Just for fun, he told himself. Something to do as he was getting ready to move to Wisconsin for grad school. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to have this in my back pocket, and I'm going to keep going on this academic path. But then, once Brandon arrived on campus in Madison, he mentioned the screenplay to a new friend, cinematographer Aaron Granite. Aaron wasn't into the whole back pocket thing. And he was like, that sounds awesome, let's do it. I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, we can just do it. So yeah, who needs Hollywood when you've got Aaron? The two of them turned that script into a film called Frames, about a teenage auteur who discovers an undercurrent of violence and abuse running beneath the placid surface of his small town. This was the first time viewers got to experience that signature Brandon Colvin vibe, this stylized brooding. And then as the climax approaches, a different sort of tension gets woven in. Once the film was finished, Brandon was ready to share it with the world. Based on the style, he knew it wasn't a mass market blockbuster, but he knew it was good. And he figured it would light up the festival circuit. Like my style of storytelling is not the most approachable. It's, it's sort of demanding in a certain way and a little bit unusual. I think sometimes I have aims that don't quite line up with what people's expectations are. And so I sort of thought, like, oh, you know, film festival programmers, they're really in for, like, the most difficult 
kinds of films. Like, that's, that's where this film is going to find a home. Instead, he soon discovered that getting people, even art cinema fans, to watch independent films from unknown directors is almost as hard as making them in the first place. All of his submissions resulted in just a handful of film fest screenings in 2012, including the first ever Mount Hood Independent Film Festival in Oregon and the last ever Derby City Film Festival in Louisville. Cool, but not what Brandon was expecting. Fortunately, he also knew of a special corner of the internet where micro-budget indie filmmakers and fans gather to screen one another's work called NoBudge.com, and he submitted frames there. This time, he didn't just catch a break, he scored a direct hit. He made a fan out of actor and filmmaker Kentucker Audley, who runs the site, and soon the audience Brandon really cared about, other indie filmmakers, people Brandon admired. They were also watching his movie and loving it. That film getting on No Budge and the reception that it got there where it felt like it found people who got it was the first time I really felt like I'm a filmmaker. Frames was named No Budge's 2013 Feature of the Year. And suddenly, not only was Brandon a viable filmmaker, he was making his second picture, Sabbatical, with a cast that included great established actors like Robert Longstreet, Rhoda Griffiths, and even Kentucker Audley from No Budge. We told you Sabbatical was good, and that it was well-received, and that it was on the gloomy side. Yet it was on the set of Sabbatical, maybe as a release from the sober heaviness that permeates the movie, that Brandon got the idea for his next film, called Dim Valley. You'll note that it's a change of pace for him. It's a sort of metaphysical sex comedy with a lot of um, dark stuff in it, and also some supernatural elements, and it's about some inept biologists who come upon these strange women in the woods whose origin is very ambiguous and these women become these sort of like benevolently mischievous catalysts for these biologists. For Brandon this new movie is a sort of allegory about Kentucky and Brandon plans to film it in his hometown of Moorhead. The biologists represent the repressive culture of his hometown, and the women in the woods represent the beauty, mystery, and freedom of the nearby Appalachian wilderness. In other words, you're still gonna get your dose of Brandon Colvin angst, but this time, in the form of sex comedy perpetrated by mystical woodland sirens, there's a counterbalance, a little light that's allowed to leak into the frame. This is like one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. So I was like, is there a way for there to be like a redemption? And for inspiration, he turned to one of my favorite directors, Hayao Miyazaki. There's a kind of like spiritual animist quality to the way he thinks about the natural world. And it's the sort of thing that is like, man, if that were real, how beautiful would that be? It makes me feel so good because like Sabbatical and Frames are both films pretty firmly entrenched in a negative emotional territory. And so I was thinking about how to find hope. And I think Miyazaki does something um, that feels like real hope to me. And so Brandon Colvin will return to Kentucky as a bona fide filmmaker with a distinct aesthetic and approach, and someone who is pulling off the difficult feat of pairing his challenging and artistically rich vision with an audience that will support it and be moved by it. That first day on set, surrounded by talented actors and crew and all the glory of Appalachia, he'll probably be pretty excited 
But here's betting that he'll be up to the task when it's finally time to tell all those actors that the right way to do a Brandon Colvin metaphysical sex comedy is to slow down and be more quiet. For more on Brandon Colvin, visit cedarcathedral.com. We've got photos as always, and you can also stream both Frames and Sabbatical in their entirety. Also, if you live in or around Madison, check out the Microwave Cinema Series, the film series that Brandon runs to feature adventurous, provocative, and beautiful work made by young American independent filmmakers. Every week, we conclude the show by featuring a great indie band from the Great Lakes. And this week, it's the Chicago-based duo Francis Luke Accord, whose debut full-length record, Fluke, just came out. Here's Brian Powers from the band, we caught up the day before the release. It's been a long time coming. I mean, it's definitely the biggest project either of us uh, have worked on. We're going to play you a song called Something Moving, not only because our friend Christina Priceman plays violin on the track, but also because it's fantastic, because there's something about it that's moving. It's so simple instrumentally, and yet it grooves so hard, and that is something that the other half of Francis Luca Chord, Nicholas Gunty, is proud of. It's really difficult to do simple things well in, a, in such a way that doesn't betray their complexity, but also allows the, the listener to feel comfortable. There's a, there's a fine line that you got to walk for sure, and that, that song, I think, uh, I think we're both happy with how it turned out. My submit that I won't forget They can't resist what I don't notice You're plain Jane Take it off right before me at a safe pace, asking with your actions, save me, please. Come on and say.
Cathedral was produced this week by us, Steve and Claire Hendershot from The Diving Bell. Thanks to Brandon Colvin, both for sharing his story and showing us around Madison. For background music, we turn to our bandmate, Graham Gilreath, who makes electronica under the name Reg. Thanks also to Brian Powers and Nicholas Gunty from Francis Luke Accord. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another tale of Great Lakes creativity.